this? Ugh, this is so boring. What else is on? Welcome to a brand new episode of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, an animation podcast for geeky girl experience. I'm Hope Mullinax, and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch my favorite animated shows. In this episode, Mabel decides to put on a sock puppet rock opera to impress a local cutie puppeteer. But her show goes astray when Dipper's drive to uncover the journal secret leads to a visit from an old enemy. We're talking Gravity Falls sock opera this week. Normally I say, how you doing, Chris? Well, how are you doing, Chris? Good. I'm doing good. <laughs> You're doing all right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm done. We talked about it. You know how I've, I'm doing the same as I was doing last night. Yeah, I talked to you yesterday for Jenga, so whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so we're super excited to welcome back to the show. You heard her on the Owl House special that we had, and she's a huge fan of Gravity Falls. She's even currently dressed like Mabel, and it's so adorable. Welcome back, Allie from Knights of Rin Podcast. Yay! Hi! <laughs> Thanks for having me back. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you back. You, I mean, I just talked to you like what over the weekend Literally. for your show. <laughs> I wish I had uh, a camera. I could have gone and got. I could have gotten. I don't have a smoking jacket, but I there is a fez in the house, a Masonic fez, <gasps> and I could probably dig up an eye patch if I really had to. Oh my god! I'd be the only one not dressed up. I think I could put on a yellow shirt and just be like. Hi, I'm Bill. <laughs> if somebody hasn't listened to our show, what is Knights of Ren? And Ren is spelled W-R-E-N. <laughs> Knights of Ren is a Star Wars podcast that I host with my friend Maria. And we basically talk all things Star Wars, especially Star Wars animation. <laughs> and so you're a huge fan of Gravity Falls, too, though. Yes, I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Gravity Falls. I first came to Twitter for Gravity Falls, so who knows where I'd be if Gravity Falls didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, I've loved Gravity Falls since the beginning, so. <laughs> so what is it about the show that you love? I love so much about the show. Like, I love the mystery elements. I love the characters. I love the story. I just love the show so much. It's so close to my heart because it really is the show I grew up with because, like, it ran from when I was like 11 to when I was like 16 or whatever. So it's 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 very special for me. <laughs> if, and, if I got to watch this when I was a little kid, man, it would have just yeah, knocked, yeah. Sco- it would have knocked Scooby Doo out of the like all I like the only thing I can analog I can draw to it when I was a kid with our crappy cartoons like f- they were they were they were fun in their own way, but they were so formulaic and like is phoned in a lot of times but like scooby-doo is the closest thing i had to a paranormal <laughs> sometimes you would get some ones with monster characters like groovy ghoulies or something but they wouldn't last long scooby-doo is always around but boy this blows scooby-doo out of the water yeah i i feel very grateful to grow up with a lot of the shows i got to <laughs> like especially the, this. the cartoon quality from like the 90s till now has just been like this graph curves just shooting upward <laughs> We're, like america is finally catching up with the rest of the world as far as like our like our cartoons becoming just better you know like real stories <laughs> when i when i went to go ask ali i was like hey would you be interested in being on a gravity falls discussion her answer was sending me a picture of her dressed as mabel <laughs> 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 so- 
I know, like I I know the answer to this question, but for our viewers, hey, who's so, your favorite character? Mabel. <laughs> <laughs> so I sent her a list of Mabel episodes. I was like, which one of these do you want? So like, what is it about Mabel that you love? I just, I love her optimism, her positive energy, her, like, chaoticness. <laughs> and I just, like, she's artsy, she's fun, she's she's lovable, she cares so much about people. I just love her so much. <laughs> so now we got, like, basically on the show right now, we got two Mabels and a Grunkle Stan. We need a dipper on the show now. We don't have a dipper. I tried to contribute with my hat. <laughs> we need a dipper and a Seuss. A Seuss no, would, would be fun on any podcast. And since this is an audio medium, Ellie is currently wearing a Mabel pink sweater with a shooting star on it. She's wearing Dipper's pine tree hat, and she's already shown that she has a stuffed Waddles and a stuffed Mabel as well. So <laughs> she is complete. Ellie is also aware of the rules to not spoil Chris, so she knows that as well, and... I mean this very kindly. If you start losing your poker face, I'm gonna have to tell you to turn off your camera. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I know, I know. I can, <laughs> I can now. I, I can also dip her. Just go. Just tell me, and I'll dip her screen below the. You know, I'll put. I'll, I'll put another window over the, the video. Okay. No, it was. It just was go. Weird. Don't look, Chris. Don't look. No, when I watched the episode, it was weird because I put myself like in the mind space of watching it for the first time, and I thought that was funny. I'm like, pretend like you don't know anything, just watch it now. You like, know, that's that's actually been so much fun about watching it with Chris too, because with him being such an old conspiracy theory guy, he that's right. he picks he picks up on things that I just don't know about. Like he was telling me uh, about somebody, uh, a person named Charles Fort, and he wrote this book called The Book of, a da of the Dam, and it was a paranormal book and all that. And it reminded me of kind of like the big mid-season thing. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, well, that's fun. So yeah. I cannot see how the creators of Gravity Falls have are not familiar with Charles Fort and the Fortean movement. If I have would imagine they have read and have issues of the magazine 40 in times in their house, I'll bet. One of the great magazines when they still made magazines. The last question I wanted to ask you was before we get into the episode is I sent you a list of all the Mabel episodes this this season. So what what is it about this particular episode that made you go, I'd rather talk about this one than the other ones? I guess like it's it's a mix of awesome Mabelness and also some like plot driven stuff and mm. it's also just it kind of lives in my core because I even wrote this in the notes like I'm a theater and an art person so I kind of like this is a, a lot this of interest, oh yeah so. yeah this is a juicy yeah. episode that sounds like this is a juicy episode for all of us because Hope's a theater person and <laughs> I am a <clears throat> puppet person no, I actually do have a question for you, Chris. It says, as a professional puppeteer, here's a question. <laughs> so I can write that into the I, I am a professional puppeteer because I once got paid $50 to operate a puppet uh, for a music video. So, <laughs> mm, yeah. Isn't that the, uh, the uh, artist dream, though? I'm like, yes, we made $50. <laughs> hey, and I actually got, I was the head puppeteer over the guy who worked on Avenue, who was on Avenue, actually in Avenue Q. Oh, that's fancy. Yeah, he came in in his full skin suit and everything, too. <laughs> <laughs> he was like this 60, 62-year-old 
just your average, like you could see him behind the counter at a deli or, or something or a cigar stand or something. But he was in his he was in his one piece black skin suit and ready to puppeteer. I'm just now imagining Gabe at 60. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a lot of ways. He'd been on a lot of film sets and was doing a lot of name dropping and stuff. He was a really nice guy. But yeah, puppeteers are. Yeah, it's it's really the ventriloquists you really want to watch out for because the ventriloquists have their their dummy, their one dummy. And that's basically just their evil side, you know, waiting to kill by night. (laughs) You have like, you know, like Muppet type puppeteers are usually like wonderful hippie they're like hippie mimes sort of personalities <laughs> and i'm more of the i'm more of the like triumph the insult comic dog puppeteer there's a lot of puppets in this house i've got ministry puppets i've got sock pu- i've got this bag full of sock puppets that look like a lot of the ones mabel is making in this episode but puppeteers aside Gabriel's got a lot of just show person qualities going for him. You know, he reminds me of a lot of people that I know that worked at like Renaissance fairs and stuff like that. You know, he's got that same sort of uh, sort of thing. He they definitely put him on the weird scale. He likes things making out. That's for sure. Making out just like horribly. (laughs) (laughs) Since we're starting to talk about Gabe, are we ready to get into the episode? You think I think so. (laughs) All right, so Sock Opera is the 24th episode of Gravity Falls and it aired on September 8th, 2014. It was written by Alex Hurst, Shion Takeuchi, and Zach Pies. The director was Matt Braley and Joe Pitt and the storyboard artists were Chris Hewton, Sunil Hall, and Vaughn Tada. Some extra information for you. Gabe Uh, is voiced by... Not to interrupt, but I wish my last name was Tada. (laughs) Tada! It might be like like when you're like uh, signing your name. You're just like Chris. Ta-da, zing. I don't know if it's like ta-da or (laughs) ta-da, or or just it could be tada, (laughs) tada. Anyway, Gabe is voiced by Yorma Tacone. His names are not kind to you tonight. Hope I really feel bad for you. (laughs) I know I have a lot of names in this one. Um, His other works include being one of the members of the Lonely Island. Saturday Night Live, and creator of the series MacGoober. Stan and McGucket puppets that appear at the end of the credits were used by Alex Hirsch at San Diego Comic-Con in 2013 and 2014. Also, both puppets were used in several promotional materials for the series. Those are really fun Comic-Cons, too, because um, he would pull out those puppets when he couldn't answer spoilers. So if somebody asked a question that had spoilers, he would just pull out the stand puppet and be like, What? Oh my god, yes. (laughs) Yeah, those Comic-Cons are fun to watch. Originally, some of the characters were going to notice something wrong with Dipper while Bill was in his body. However, these scenes had to be cut for time. There was also a scene cut where Bipper tells Dipper that he ate Leonardo da Vinci. The suit worn by Bipper during the puppet show is based on a suit worn by Reverend Harry Powell from the 1955 Charles Langston film, The Night of the Hunter. Have you ever got, have you guys ever watched Night of the Hunter? No, I was really, I was like, this has to be something that Chris would probably know. And I wanted oh to know what, what the symbolism is. 
Oh my God! If you're th- well, theatrical for one, Charles Charles Lawton, it's his one movie. It's the one movie he ever got to make, and it's like just a singular masterpiece, and it's so theatrical. And I mean, you've probably seen the picture of the preacher because he has this. It's like an iconic picture of him, and on his knuck one knuckle of his hand, he has tattooed love, and the other one, he has hate. He's oh, very charismatic. Yeah preacher and he like he insinuates himself into this family you know a widowed mother to kill the mother and get an inheritance and and kill the two kids too and the two kids escape it's it's amazing it's in black and white and it's it, it basically looks like a stage play the set is decorated like a stage play and it's very theatrical Although there's stuff shot outdoors and stuff, it, it I, I cannot recommend the movie enough. It's it's amazing movie. It's very very intense. So is it very fitting that Dipper was wearing that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it I, I not didn't notice that watching it. I didn't notice that till you you know pointed it out here. But I mean that character is. The Charles Lawton character in that movie is evil to the bone. He's just he's just the I- iconic wolf in sheep's clothing. So there, you know, that's perfect because that's what dip and it, it, it gives you a little insight into how evil Bill is. That's good to so, know. Sounds like this is probably a thing that Chris knows. Yeah, there, <laughs> there, yeah, yeah. I you see, I'm the key master into getting into the brains of the old guys. I'm a little older than them, so I've got like 10 years of pop culture even further back than them. But it sounds like we're drinking from the same well, for sure. The entire episode is an allusion to Faust. The tale of Faust, Faust makes a deal with the Mephistopheles, the devil, in which he gains all the knowledge of the world, but he loses his soul in 10 years to Mephistopheles. Faust, with the help of a maiden, outsmarts Mephistopheles. In this episode, Dipper makes a deal with Bill Cipher, in which he has to give a puppet for a hint to the laptop. And in the end, Dipper and Mabel both outsmart Bill. The screaming head that Bill conjures is based on Cal Drogo from Game of Thrones. The only reason I noted this is to show how long... Remember, because two seasons were stretched over about four and a half years. So uh, between two seasons, Game of Thrones started during that, and now they can make Game of Thrones references in the show. <laughs> And finally, the face that Dipper Puppet makes when he's aggravated is a nod to Kermit the Frog, particularly from a sketch where in Sesame Street where he gets frustrated as a girl keeps trying to add Cookie Monster to the alphabet. Yes. Well, His Pat the Rabbit can make that face too. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, as always, Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoon is broken into several parts. Part one is the story themes and characters. Part two is we're reading from Jer- Dipper's journal entry. Part four is the cipher and connections to previous episodes. And part five is Chris's speculation and theories corner. Allie, since you are the guest, what was your favorite part of the episode? <laughs> Put me on the spot, why don't you? <laughs> well, you're the guest. I, I mean, it's not rude. like you don't have them written down. Um, very true. <laughs> I agreed with a lot of the stuff you wrote down here, especially like, um, I, I love, like I, we were talking about earlier as like theater artsy people love the puppet show, of course. Cause like, you yeah, know, so good. 
and like there was just a lot of good humor in this episode too like i noted a couple of um specific parts like uh sans line children i can sell this like i um, i almost noted that line (laughs) yeah and i just really enjoyed this episode because like i said the humor the artsy stuff i like the song i still have the entire thing memorized because i remember after because my siblings would watch gravity falls with me after we saw the episode we've been singing like that song like constantly (laughs) it was so funny oh my gosh yeah I know I'm great. <laughs> the perfect girl needs the perfect maid. Hey, what's up? I'm Gabe. What? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I just really love this episode. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Chris, what were uh, your favorite parts of the episode? The very first shot is maybe the, the thing that made me laugh hardest in all of Gravity Falls so far. And that was a poster in the library of the book with a horrified look on his face reading a screaming book and it just says read with a question mark (laughs) in the font of all the library read book like posters but it's just this like horrifying book of a book reading and picture of a book reading another book and read (laughs) (laughs) i that just that killed me the head that's always screaming was uh, also that that that's just a random thing that he would decide to pick out and that he just doesn't pull it back. He pulls it back layer by layer. That's a... And that the Stan and McGucket puppet were not just Stan and McGucket puppets, which was good enough to hear the voices coming out of them, but that they were playing Statler and Waldorf from the Muppet Show, too. Mm-hmm. That, that was just, a, that just icing on the cake. I know you didn't watch the series uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, but there's a high point. There's many high points in that series. But one of the biggest high points where I know 90% of, I know I lost my shit, but the rest of the fans just were going nuts when suddenly he had a puppet of himself. (laughs) I don't know. And all of a sudden you had an Ash and then you had the Ash puppet and all of a sudden the whole, you know, all the people were going nuts for the, people go nuts for puppets. If you have a puppet of yourself, it's even more like just, I don't know. It just becomes one of the most funny and wonderful things ever. Puppets are great. Puppets also allow you to say things to people that you could never say to them in normal life. Not stuff that I... like you're hiding, you're hiding from them or something. But you could just be extra. Ex- people are like, I'm talking to a puppet. So <laughs> <laughs> I was ninety nine point nine percent sure that you were going to note. The McGucket and Stan puppets at the end. Like, oh, yeah. I would have put money on that. I was so sure. <laughs> My favorite parts is I just, I love, I, because I always forget about this line. And so when I do hear it, it always catches me off guard because it's hilarious. Is Grinda's line of just like, you know, Gabe, you look pretty sweaty. You should take your shirt off. <laughs> and then she goes, and isn't like, that what everybody's thinking here? You know. And Grinda's, Grinda's thirst is my kind of girl. So, um, <laughs> Like Allie, I agree, the entire puppet show is just so good, but specifically, the part where Gabe is going to war, and the massive monster sock puppet yes. just comes out of the Yes! <laughs> it's a giant spider, he's going to war with a giant spider. It's so funny! I just like the Dipper puppet, just because they do so many great memes and a lot of expressions, and it's so cute. 
but my my other favorite part is this is one of the greatest uses of Ave Maria ever. <laughs> As all the puppets are burning and Gabe looks horrific and the stand puppet is on fire as it falls. Yes. <laughs> so hilarious. So good. All right. So to move on to story themes and characters, where do we want to start? Do we want to start with Bill or the twins or with the puppet show? I just want to say this is the this is the most horror horrific episode yet. This this one had a vibe of like a Stephen King novel to me. Really? Yeah. yeah I was like. Hmm. <laughs> this is a, I mean if you peel away all the humor this is a pretty dark episode mm-hmm. true true <laughs> I think I, I get a feeling whenever Bill Cipher is going to show up I mean Bill Cipher is dark Espe- I yeah, mean he seems especially Bill, dark in a for a, in a children's cartoon let's start with Bill then and more specifically Bipper Chris, you're the new one to this, so I, I do want to hear, and I assume you probably have stuff in your speculation corner, too. Well, this is where it gets to Stephen King-like, where Bipper is is comedic, and that he's he's got, like, car- even more cartoony eyes. They give him those cartoon cat eyes, like a, those cat clocks, and he's got Bill's voice, which is, you know, a, a sprightly cartoon voice, yet... He's sticking forks in Dipper's arm and taking joy in destroying Dipper's body as Dipper watches and just sort of like blindly torturing him, probably a mild way with what he's capable of doing. But it's uh, pretty dark, you know, the implications of what could happen if you if you run afoul of Bill Cipher, if he stops messing around with you. Because he, I mean, it has the vibe that he's just sort of messing around. He's having fun right now. But if if he gets mad, <laughs> I mean, he's, he turns reality on his, he just sort of casually can turn reality on his side and, you know, and have gravity bow to it where he like dipper, zipper, dippers up on the roof and he just sort of tips everything sideways and then tips it back and dippers. It's like, ah. It's really interesting with those scenes too, because He's in the mindscape, though, and there's very, very subtle animation of the two times that Bill appears before taking Dipper's body. Dipper closes his eyes before Bill shows up. So it's this, like, subtle nod that those are moments where Dipper falls asleep and we're in his mindscape because he'll, like, cover his eyes and then something happens and he looks up, but we have to assume that he's dreaming there. What What are your thoughts on Bipper, Allie? I mean, like Chris said, it's it's kind of weird because it's like that balance of humor yet especially now that when I watched it when I got older I was like oh wow it's not just humor like this is like some serious stuff (laughs) because like it's not just funny but like Bill's like seriously messing with like Dipper like it's literally he takes over his body it's actually kind of pretty dark when Chris puts it that way (laughs) yeah I mean it's like you know there's there's lots of body like autonomy of your own body in this episode and, and Dipper has to be I mean, it's a kid's cartoon, so they did not get the obvious joke of somebody putting their hand in the Dipper puppet. But that, while, while Dipper was floating around, that would. But in like a Adult Swim cartoon, that would have they would have gone for that joke right off the bat. But yeah, losing your body and not knowing if you're going to get back in it, you know. I mean, he exchanged his body pretty much when when they were done. It was pretty much Bill is going to be 
Bipper from now on, you know, according to their deal. So that's pretty, pretty horrific. <laughs> and all I... you can do as Dipper is sort of float around and possess the occasional doll or, or puppet. It's, it's very interesting of how they ride that very, 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 very fine line between horror and comedy, especially because Bill is very unnerving. And I, and I think that's where they can kind of skip, skip by with all this. He's just an unnerving character. We're talking about the person in Dreamscaperers who like ripped out deer teeth and handed them to Gideon. Yeah, um, and he's running around with all the people that he's sitting next to Wendy and calling her toots and stuff. And he's just letting Dipper see, you know, look, look, I, and he's just playing the edges of it. He doesn't let he doesn't let on enough that he's not Dipper, but like he lets everybody know a little bit that he's askew, but it's for Dipper's benefit. You know, he's just toying with him. And it's like those, you know, like a mafia movie or something where, you know, the guy owes the mafia money and a guy comes to collect it. But the guy's family that is there, so he's pretending to be like the guy's friend or something and just sort of coming in and hanging out with the guy's family. And this guy's like, oh, my God, I got like killer in the midst of everybody I know and there's nothing I can do about it. And they're and they're all blissfully unaware of it. They have no idea what's going on. I do have to make the smallest side note because I never noticed it before. But this has to be just one of those Disney executive things. So we have Dipper, right? And he's like throwing Dipper's body downstairs and he's smashing his hand in like drawers and like sticking himself with forks. But he gets in Seuss's car and puts on his seatbelt. Yeah, he he is, he is enjoying himself. He's enjoying the irony of him doing that. You know, it's funny. No, if we don't talk that, about what, if wait, we didn't on, talk on, about on, Mabel at all, no. this would sound like a horror story. This would sound like yeah. a horrifying and not a hilarious episode. Which because it is. what I mean by that is that's a Disney executive move. Just say that everybody has to be wearing their seatbelts in a car, but the rest of that everything is fine. <laughs> that's I think there is like a, a rule somewhere in SMP that characters have to wear seatbelts when they're in cars. I, th- I think that is an actual SMP rule somewhere. Yeah, but but, but when they really do funny. it with him, it just it's it it makes it funnier, you know. I know. <laughs> They're doing it because they have to, but it is just also just a nice touch. It's like something that he does to make himself laugh, to crack himself <laughs> up. Look at me. I'm wearing a seatbelt. I know you probably have more things to say in your speculation corner. Allie, did you have anything else about Bill and Dipper? Or Bipper, I should say. Bipper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about the, the meat of the episode being the twins. I like this episode a lot because it shows their strengths and their faults because neither twin is an angel and neither twin is a demon in this as well. They both have faults and contribute to points of the plot. And, you know, because we see Mabel leaves helping Dipper with the passcode, but Dipper's own action leads Bill to take his body and destroy Mabel's puppet show. And I like that because it kind of really shows their priorities because they are both obsessed by very different things. Mabel's the heart, and so she's obsessed with her crush, and Dipper's the mind, and he's obsessed with the laptop. But they are both right, wrong, at fault, like all at the same time. And I think I like that complexity of this episode. What do you think, Allie? Because I know you're the Mabel fan. Yeah, no, 
I I really enjoyed how much this episode kind of delves into that different stuff, and especially the way you phrased it with um, the fact that both of them make mistakes, have their faults, but also have their strong points because they're trying to follow their like head and their heart and what they're passionate about. And then for me especially, because I'm such a big Mabel fan, growing up especially, like I acknowledge because I would still watch videos like this, but a lot of people are highly critical of um, Mabel and the way she behaves, the way she treats Dipper. I've watched all the videos, don't worry. Like, I, I know what people say about it, but for this episode especially, like, I always feel the need to express two things mainly. One point that you made, especially, like, the fact that in the past when she has made choices, often they were still for the benefit of others and not just herself, like Mermando. Um, And the second part is this I always want to acknowledge because people can be very hard on Mabel and a big thing to remember honestly is they are kids they are 12 they are going to make some stupid choices especially as someone who like grew up being their age like when the show was airing like I learned I felt like I was learning with them like I phrased it in the notes like it's important for characters to have faults like this because it's important for the viewers to be able to like learn with the characters and that's why I appreciate, like, as much as I can defend Mabel, we still do see Mabel apologize in the end. And I just really appreciated that because, yes, she has her own reasons. And so does Dipper, especially because he makes his own mistakes, too. But in the end, they both kind of own up to the different things they did. And I like that. Yeah, I, I think that's really important because we've been we talked a lot through season one is how their stories is becoming more complicated and complex because we start with, like, little things like... Uh, Little Dipper, the the shape, the height changing episode where they were being pitted against each other, but mm-hmm. like for something small, which was their height, and then we got Time Traveler's Pig, and like Dipper had to give up Wendy for Waddles, and it starts getting more and more complex to where we get something like the Deep End with Mermando. You know, Dipper had to give up his chance at Wendy, but Mabel's the one going, "Did you ever really have a chance?" And Dipper knows he doesn't, and he gives it up knowing that she is right. And to save Mermando's life, because Mermando was dying mm-hmm. and needed to get back to his family. And so, and I think that's where it kind of really comes to a head here. And I think the most important part of this episode and in, in their in their relationship to each other is neither of them are right. And both of them do things to hurt the other. Mabel breaks her promise to help Dipper, but Dipper comes to help her. And neither of them, like, they both realize this other thing is important to the other one. And they both help to an extent. You know, she she says that she'll help with the passcode. He helps her with her puppets. But they end up butting heads when, you know, the situation changes. You know, when Gabe comes back and she's like, oh, my God, I have to do more. You know, that's where they butt heads and they go their separate ways. But they're also both at fault for their own downfall in this episode. Dipper's obsession is what leads him to taking Bill's, uh, what, to taking Bill's dill. And then Mabel's obsession is what leads Dipper to potentially get lost. And she ends up having to fight Bill herself, which is just cool. Because I like seeing Mabel <laughs> taking on Bill by herself, and which is really a great thing. So I, I like the complexity of this because both of them are at fault to, some, to a certain extent. But as you said, they both apologize because they both recognize that. And I think that's a really big thing, especially for two 12-year-olds. Yeah, as like I especially noted the fact that like it's sometimes when you're that young, it's like extreme situations like this that really can like help make it clearer for you. And 
yeah, I just really liked that. And especially, no spoilers or anything, but like it, it steps like this, we're looking back at episodes like this, you're like, yes, there was growth and they went through change. And I like that. <laughs> what about you, Chris? But at their age, they should both sort of be up in their own in their own world. <laughs> that that made perfect sense. In, in how, the, how did in you the phrase course. it before? Uh, empathy is, sh- is there's a shortage of empathy with teenagers. I, I think you said something <laughs> along those lines. <laughs> to a certain point, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, it's almost like chemical. The the <laughs> you know you got all the chemicals that you got to deal with with yourself. Yeah. What what did you think of how they handled the twins' relationships and how they both contributed to the plot in this one? Dipper wasn't real. Dipper was more of a plot element in this one. He just sort of he got he got caught up in his own in his own thing and and made his bad decision and and from that point on, it was all it was all Mabel. After that, all the reacting and and solving anything was down to Mabel. I mean, there was a certain amount of it to to where Dipper had to communicate through the puppet and stuff, but that was to fix his his mistake. So they they worked them into the plot 50-50, which is pretty fun cuz you have Dip, Dipper's plot which is horrific and from a horror movie and Mabel's plot which is like best it's almost like something like best of show or something, you know, just a play on 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 show people. They're using all the language and stuff like got to go back into fabrication now. Which is is probably what somebody said when they were making the Grunkle Stan puppet. Send someone down to fabrication and see if they can come up with a Stan and a McGucket puppet. Yeah. I just like say McGucket puppet. <laughs> yeah, I think a big point, especially if we're talking like like you talked a lot about how the ways that Dipper has worked into the plot, and I think a specific point is when she goes after the book and when he steps in for the show. Like I still. I liked that he did take that step to step in for her, especially because it does kind of weave their kind of um, storylines more together in that way. Because they do, while Dipper doesn't as outright apologize like Mabel does, he still steps up in that way. It's it's really nice because like one of the show rules that Alex Hirsch always had was they never hate each other. And I think we really see that here is he is willing to help continue with... Well, for one, he can only do so much as a puppet. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> he can make funny faces and have tiny little, like, pipe cleaner arms. But, uh, <laughs> so cute. But yeah, he does step in to continue on her show because yeah. he does know that it's important to her. And he, and that's why I liked about that moment where Mabel finally faces Bipper. For, for one, I just love that shot where it's Bipper pulling up the rope and he's just looking down at her and he's silhouetted from behind. That's such a beautiful shot of, of animation. She realizes that she is... How do, how do I phrase this without making, being a little bit mean? It's okay. <laughs> I, I think she realizes that it, it all comes to her head where she goes, I have been at fault on this. And... Seeing her have that moment, she was like, Dipper has sacrificed for me. It's, I think it's a very powerful moment where she she realizes how much that Dipper has put himself before her. And it was a moment for her to put herself in front of Dipper. He has given up a lot of his own heart things. You know, he's given up, even though he never had a chance with Wendy and he knows this. He, she ha- he has given up a lot of these Wendy moments for her. 
And Dipper is not the heart character. He's the mind character, but he has given up parts of his heart for Mabel continuously. And it's nice to see her on this one, not to save like Miranda's life, to doing it solely for Dipper. It's not for somebody else. It's just for her brother. And that is a, I think, a very powerful message of this episode of knowing when to give up for the person that is important to you. Something uh, I just want to also note um, about Bill and Dipper in this. Bill, when when he first shows up uh, the very first time with the head and the tipping of the reality and stuff like that, Bill says that he's impressed with Dipper. And even coming from an enemy, we see that that compliment makes Dipper drop his guard. Even just a little bit. You see his animation change, his shoulders, like he's like all tense and his shoulders drop a little bit. I'm only noting this for reasons that I can't talk about. <laughs> that's an important little moment. So. Yeah, yeah, though that's a pat that's a palpatine moment. He's blowing smoke up his ass. He's 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 buttering him up and you know he know he knows how to manipulate Dipper and Dipper's a, a kid. <laughs> and yeah, he basically tells him you're the Hardy Boys, man. That helps Dipper think he's smart enough to pull off a deal with Bill. That that's a good point too because I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I was like, I had a thing to say, and now I don't. So, yes. Yes. Good point, Chris. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I want to also note something else, though, that I, I found that was a little bit of an interesting point, is even though since karaoke, everything's on the open, the kids know that Stan knows about the weirdness, and Stan knows that the kids know about the weirdness, and everything's on the open... Dipper still hides his encounter about Bill Cipher from Stan. And he only tells Mabel about it, and they still hide that from Stan. And I think that's a really interesting note to show that Dipper still doesn't fully trust Stan. And we know that they both cross their fingers behind their back in karaoke. That's true. I wondered about that. I'm like, Stan seems blissfully unaware that anything's weird. <sighs> Can I talk about the puppet show? <laughs> <laughs> the puppet show is great. <laughs> All right, Allie, gush about the puppet show. <laughs> now you start. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I, I, I think it's so cool because everybody kind of has. Oh, I meant to put these two, these two line, these notes together. Oh, don't look at the man behind the curtain. These two notes were supposed to be together. <laughs> there we go. I love that everybody has kind of a role to play in this Mabel show. But I think it's a good use of the supporting cast. Wendy and Suze, they're both helping, like, build puppets and scenery. Candy and Grenda, oh my god. They have not they are great support roles, but they have some of the best one-liners of this show. You know, we see, like, Grenda just being like, the show's about to begin! Put your phones away unless you're texting me, cuties! <laughs> like, they have really good support roles and Candy's one-liners in Korean about how she's going to steal Gabe is so beautifully done and Nikki Yang just is so good in those moments but yeah I, I like how we see the support system come out for Mabel which shows her her importance in the group of the show yes <laughs> no <laughs> Uh, like you said, I, I like I love seeing um, I liked how much we got to see not just like the puppet show, but we got to see like everything leading up to it. Like 
I love, like, they so effectively do that montage where they show the sides of Dipper and Mabel, and I just love seeing all the behind-the-scenes stuff, especially um, that one scene when Gabe shows up, and uh, they're just, like, Seuss is trying to load the friggin' scenery on the <laughs> car, and it breaks, and he's like, I'm not okay. <laughs> yeah. What does Bill know about Grinda that you don't know? Because he calls her a monster. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even catch that. <laughs> Where did that happen? So when he's in the Reverend costume, he comes up to Grinda backstage as the stagehand. He's just like, "Hey, where's the book?" And she's like, "It's up in the cage. You're gonna have to wait for your turn." And he's like, "All right." And he starts backing up. And he goes, "I'll wait. I'll wait." And then he kind of gives her the stink eye and goes, "You monster!" And then walks away. <laughs> well, because he's new. Because because he's Bill Cipher. He's an interdimensional being. And he's doesn't like having to wait and sit in a human body and be impatient over something. He just probably brings stuff into existence when he wants to. So yeah, she is a monster for making him wait. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. I always thought it was just a funny little throwaway line of just him her being him being like, You're a weird human. Yeah, no, he just <laughs> he's he's just having to do things that he doesn't know like He's sort of enjoying the sensory experience of being in a body, but he's not enjoying the things like, you know, having limited powers. My other favorite part about this whole family unit is Stan's been really good about supporting Mabel all season long. We saw it last episode in uh, the Gulf War when he was like, go beat Pacifica. And we saw it um, back in Double Dipper when he's chasing a dollar around, but the moment it comes time to vote for Mabel, he stops everything and claps for her. But apparently puppets are his line in the sand. He does not support <laughs> Well, you know, he, 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 at the same time, he does not discourage her. He's just sort of like, all right, I don't want any part of this. But he's there at the show. So. Not knowing why he's there. <laughs> but he can sell them fighting. <laughs> Yeah. To, to move on to the next point, we have a new crush of the week. Mabel's new crush of the week. Allie, what are, what are your thoughts about Mr. Gabe Vincent? <laughs> um, he's interesting, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, she so. dodged the bullet. The dodge the bullet line was the, I, you know, he's okay. got he's got issues. I said interesting, need... like that's the nice way of putting it, I guess. I don't he know. Likes, <laughs> he, he, you're he's too creepy. nice. You he's, don't have to. You don't have to be nice on the show. Yeah, no, he's 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 totally he's. To, I I've known people like this. He's he's got that glossy outer edge, but he's creepy. Everything's got to make out. Math in the world and the glo- the book in the globe have you know math have to make out when he's and 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 Mabel sees it, but you know she doesn't pick up on it till the very end when she's just like, yeah, I might have dodged a bullet on that one, and yeah, definitely he. He seems kind of like a, a little bit of a control freak. So, I, I mean, look at him. He's a... running a puppet show all by himself. He's got the keyboard there with one hand and a puppet on the other hand and, you know, the headset mic and it's and the perfect stitching and be interested in a girl if she was only dedicated enough to, to it's like to puppetry. It's just I like actually... sparkle magic in Donnie Darko. I actually wrote a note about gatekeeping puppet lover. <laughs> to 
these has the line of like you can only love puppets if you throw puppet shows, which is what sets Mabel off on her old journey in the first first place. And my first like when I watched that, I was like, get your gatekeeping fandom bullshit out of here. You know, oh she can God. just like she yeah, can but... like puppets <laughs> just at, to at, like them, but not having to throw least, a puppet show. <laughs> at the very least, he at least could recognize. I don't know. He didn't say it, but you see it in his face. Her puppet show's a hundred times better than his puppet show. <laughs> like, she has tie. like, of course it was put together by Alex Hirsch and entertainment master people, but you know, just like little touches like where the glass, the little heart glasses come down on the puppet's nose and with the music and everything. As far as showmanship goes, she has him over a barrel. I mean... How does she have like five puppets all at once when she's the only one there? Yeah, Thank well, you. Never mind. I like <laughs> never you mind. <laughs> Either way, he's got just like your standard rental cloth divider thing. He looks like he's out of the mall. Mabel just basically did Broadway on a shoestring for her puppet show, and that's her first puppet show. <laughs> yeah. No, I that's think a, that sounds like a great line. Now, this ain't my first puppet show, kid. <laughs> I think it's, like, an interesting point that you put out, like, is, you can already see it, obviously, but we were talking a lot earlier about how, like, both Mabel and Dipper, like, go off on their own, like, obsessive obsessive paths with, like, their own things, and then we have this other character who's, like, extremely obsessed to, like, that gatekeeping level, and I think that's interesting that they chose to include that kind of a crush of the week when we're having, like, that kind of a storyline, I think. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I, that's what I loved so much about Mermando. Like, Mabel never had to prove herself to Mermando. Like, there was no hoops to jump through. They just connected, and they liked each other just because they liked each other. But Gabe is just like, oh, you like puppets? Are you sure? Do you have a puppet show? Do you have not cross-stitching on your puppets? Are you sure you like puppets? You have to really like puppets. <laughs> So, proper yeah, proper puppet is... stitching. That's all I gotta say. That was that was their giveaway, the the proper puppet stitching. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that he saw another girl's puppet show, knowing that Mabel has a puppet show coming on, he's a little puppet two timer. <laughs> but we see this because he kisses both of his puppets. <laughs> okay, here's the here's the dirtiest joke. Here we go. He is double fisting those puppets. Oh, hope I've made so many puppet fist jokes in my. That's for this show, though. I know. At yeah, so one time, you could buy a Piss Pot the Rabbit t shirt that says, Inside every puppet is a fist. It was more like a Power to the People shirt, except it was a rabbit, so it was more like Power to the Rabbits. But, like, yeah. Puppets are never truly alive till they have a hand up their butt. <laughs> Um, I just just hear Allie just go unless they're marionettes (laughs) you okay over there Allie I'm fine I mean after what happened on Twitter today I think my innocence is already broken yeah I know Uh, yeah come on there's nothing nothing we can do hope that the internet hasn't already done 1000 million times over yeah I know I know other thing is just like a little another nod about how crazy D- Disney is with their censoring because they can't say the words you suck or have spin the bottle references or in a couple episodes have little old lesbians but they can have Cal Drogo's face melting away layer by layer peeling off fine. layer by layer section by section 
Ugh, they're so weird about their sensors, and it's that's maddening. classic America. That's just America. We we America can deal with as much violence as you can throw at them, but apparently body parts are will but not the will lesbians. Just, just yeah, well, just, that that sort of stuff. Like two ladies that might possibly kiss each other could really like blow things up. Yet, oh look, oh, no. his leg is broken. <laughs> oh no, the gaze. Yeah, no, I, I know this is kind of off topic, but I just want to quickly mention it because I'm curious now before I forget. Um, so hope I know you haven't watched the show, Chris, but hope um apparently they raise the rate like the age rating on disney plus for owl house because of you know apparently are you serious did they yeah apparently that's a thing and i'm like i thought we were going back to censoring disney like come on hold on age raised on owl house because of the gays yeah apparently that's what people have been speculating i don't know if that's the official case but like because apparently it's listed as like 17 and up or something I don't even know. Owl House rating a uh, Disney. I, I, that would be ridiculous. Well, that wouldn't be too out of character, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought they were getting better with their censoring, so I was just like, "What even, Disney?" You know, I, I have not. They never seen will. That. They never will if they're as long as they're a multi-billion-dollar business because <laughs> it makes you scared to lose money. Yeah. Even though, even though you're shooting yourself in the foot, I mean, you would think they would just look at history and go like, "Oh, we're just shooting ourselves in the foot." And they're sort of try. You can see them sort of trying to do it for years. I think at one time, like years and years and years ago, Disney was ahead of the curve on all that stuff, and I think they got maybe maybe they got a little overconfident on it, and now they're behind the curve on it again. <laughs> I still think they're ahead of the curve. Yeah, it's confusing. I, I don't know. I don't, you know, I just don't know unless you're in some really religious setting how in 2020 and two old ladies who, who are like a lesbian couple are scandalous to anybody, it's, especially as you go down younger ages. <laughs> Maybe back in the 80s and 90s when some of these adult people remember it, it, it could have been a little shocking, but nobody cares anymore. I'm I'm not saying anything about the age rating being seven and seven and up, but I think that's what it was. So, but I I honestly wouldn't be. No, I, I can't tell like... you what I saw. I don't know. Uh, I I just thought that was like an interesting point to bring up because like as much as like Disney is like showing signs of progression, like with what they were doing with that, there's still things like that that maybe show that they're still I don't know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing of, like, the Rise of Skywalker, where they're like, look at us doing queer representation in a kiss that was easily cut out for China. Well, and and, and any seven-year-old worth their salt watching Gravity Falls isn't going to go like, Mommy, why are those two old ladies in the background holding hands? It's not even going to, like, <laughs> register, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're looking at the monsters and the funny stuff. It's not like they're throwing it at, like throwing it in their front and center it's yeah it's bizarre uh, yeah I... censorship is always bizarre there's that fa there's a famous story of uh frank zappa who was legendary for writing songs that were filled with profanity and with like sketchy subjects and stuff and on his first album he turned it in 
and there was this one song they freaked out over and they were just like we have to you have to take this lyric out this is the most obscene lyric ever and it was <laughs> the dumbest song in the world it was about his two friends that he knew in high school who used to sit out in their shed all day and they'd pick their nose and wipe the boogers on the windows but while the time their mo- their father was selling furniture and their mother was a waitress so there was a, a line in it of while the mother was in the restaurant with her pad with with her dress and her pad you know they were back and they took offense at pad because they thought it was like a sanitary pad they thought it was like oh like feminine like, hygiene product and it's like her waitress order pad and like <laughs> the studio was sending all these directors saying you either got to take this song out or you got to change that lyric or anything but that's disgusting what are you talking about and <laughs> The, the people who are looking for things to take out, I don't know. When your job is looking for something to take out, I guess you have to find something fairly regularly so you still have a job. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you can't just go through and go like, ah, oh, that's okay, that's okay, because then nobody will think you're doing your job. So you have to every once in a while go, those two old ladies are holding hands. They're holding hands. If it's not obvious, I did tell Chris about the two little old lesbians that come that were cut out later in the season, but he doesn't know anything else about that episode. That's right. Except for they cut out lesbians. I said, well, that's not going to spoil any of the story for me. But then I said, or is it going to spoil the story? It's not going to spoil the story for you. <laughs> I figure. I wouldn't tell you it if it was going to spoil the story for you. <laughs> so... But uh, that's all I have for Sock Opera. Did you two have any other points you wanted to touch on from this episode? Uh, Ellie's or guess she used to go first. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I, don't really... I have to think for a second. I don't. <laughs> um... Okay, I'll come back. I'll come back to you, Chris. <laughs> I've you got two little, to two little. Uh, I could, I could, I could burn a little time here. I just got a couple little, just a little touches that I thought were amazing, and that you know, Gabe has his puppets on his hands all his time, ta- all the time. And he's talking and just randomly his puppet would look at somebody and like wave at them <laughs> like their little puppet head and without him even knowing it, which is I thought was a great little touch. And I also like that the Dipper puppet also ended up with forks in his eyes. So no matter what Dipper was doing, he was just getting I guess he was done because he got forks stuck in him. This was uh, something very tiny, but during Mabel's puppet show, how they animated googly eyes. Because the eyes were always moving. Because they moved like googly eyes. And so, like, you know, if the puppet moved forward, the eyes would, like, the little black parts of the eyes would, like, go forward, too. And they would go around in circles. Like, that was all animated. <laughs> you know, That's like, a lot like of work, frame yeah. by frame. That, that's a ton of work. <laughs> uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add, Allie? Kind of like what I was talking about earlier. Just, like, as someone who's done theater and tech, I kind of just appreciated the chaoticness of this episode, I guess. <laughs> Showing all the kind of different chaotic work that goes into production. Yeah. I, I feel you, because like when I saw Grinda backstage, I was like, oh, she's the assistant stage manager <laughs> calling cues and everything. And I was like, I've been there calling cues well, backstage that, with my little headphone. Uh, the, a show like this, uh, shows like this are going to get it right, too, because everybody involved in it is has been involved in some level on like, I mean, movie sets are like that, too. There's people stapling pieces of cloth together on like this insanely complicated uniform. And 
you see it in the movie and it looks great and it's literally held together with scotch tape or there's somebody off camera like holding something onto the you know onto the costume while they do it and and stuff i love that stuff yeah um oh gosh i i I lost my train okay here i remember two more things one i kind of for two reasons about this point um i love the humor at the end with dipper's body being wrecked but i also love how it's one of those shows where it actually kind of acknowledges that (laughs) like his body did go through a lot um especially because he got no sleep like and that humor and that was just awesome my final point was i just actually remembered this i was going to talk about this um i actually made a mabel like sock puppet but um, <gasps> yeah, no. Here's the here's the thing. What happened? My family went to Suncadia for like I don't God. It was like February, yeah, for like the February break. But the finale was airing, so I brought the sock puppet with me because like I brought all my Gravity Falls stuff with me. I left the sock puppet in the Suncadia house. So um, no. R.I.P. My Mabel sock puppet. Whoever has it, send it back to me. Just joking. <laughs> No! Oh, that's horrible! Yeah. What's really fun? That's funny. There's this. There was this guy. They called him the Stapler, and his because his name was Ken Staples, and he was uh, trying to describe him. He was a big sausagey sort of guy, and he always wore a little suit. He always wore dressed formally, but it was always like two sizes too small. And one time he made the Ken Staples puppet. Somebody made a Ken Staples puppet and he like ended up leaving it at my house and then moving out of town. So I, to this day, I've still got a Ken Staples puppet hanging (laughs) around my, my house. I haven't seen the guy in like 10 years, but I still have his puppet. If I ever, ever want to talk to him. I actually own a puppet. Somewhere someone's talking to your Mabel puppet right now. Yeah. (laughs) She's probably What's named her? Sal. Some little girl's got her name Sally or something like oh, that. No. <laughs> and then she's going to turn on the TV someday and see Gravity Falls and just flip her lid when she's like 15 or something. She's like, that's my puppet. <laughs> Why did you tell me you were named Mabel? You've lied to me my entire life, Sally. <laughs> it's all been a lie, Sally. All yeah, of it. This is the closest I have to a Mabel puppet now. Just the doll. Oh. <laughs> I no. wish I had a camera. I would have got my bag of sock puppets out. You guys would have loved it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, w- one more thing. Um, on, on the note of sock puppets, I actually have performed with a sock puppet before because um, I did a little shop of horse camp and when I was, I was Audrey 2, so when I was baby Audrey 2, I had like a little baby Audrey 2 puppet that I like. Oh. <laughs> did you get to do the void? Did you get to go feed me? Yes. if we don't have anything else are we ready to read from a dipper's journal yay i don't know yeah are you ready to read from (laughs) dipper's journal i think no no i'm gonna do it (laughs) (laughs) oh do you want to write the journal okay (laughs) no no i don't know so uh this week in dipper's journal it's actually written from mabel's point of view Except for one part of it. So, for the journal this week. Whoa, Dipper and I just got back from this big fight with everyone's least favorite triangle, Bill Cipher. Dipper is upstairs, collapsed from exhaustion. 
So I'll write this entry for him. The entry about a monster I call Bipper. <laughs> to most people, he looks just like my brother. And even I was tricked at first. I'm like normally so perceptive. But there were a few tips to tell the difference. Number one, his eyes. Look at him sideways and you can see a quick flash of scary cat eyes and not from the kind of cat you want to pet. Number two, his hands. This is the creepy part. They're chillingly cold. Is Dipper technically dead while being possessed? Number three, the that's smile. Super, that's a super creepy line. That's a super yeah. creepy line. Yeah, we got to see his reanimated corpse puppet in this episode. What a kid show. Yeah. <laughs> For kids. Number three, his smile. Unlike Dipper, he actually smiles. But he smiles constantly and way too hard. I've never seen Dipper's gums before this, and I never want to see them again. <laughs> Number four. Yes, it's like a death rictus. And it's like a Cheshire cat now that you mentioned that. <laughs> cat's eyes and the grin yeah yeah number four his personality insane jams forks into his arms throw his body down the stairs blinks one eye at a time but he is way more confident with girls so you know pluses and minuses <laughs> <laughs> and number five style gotta give this guy props on this one he wears that reverend suit like a pro Better posture than Dipper, too. But the creepiest of all, when Stan was driving us back home, I found this handwritten note in the floor of the car. And it says, <clears throat> Note to self! Possessing people is hilarious! To think of all the sensations I've been missing out on! Burning, stabbing, drowning, it's like a buffet tray of fun! Once I destroy that journal, I'll, be, I'll enjoy giving this bottle of this bottle... I'll enjoy giving this body its grand finale by throwing it off the water tower. Best of all, people will just think Pine Tree lost his mind and his mental form will w wander in the mindscape forever. Want to join him, shooting star? And then, and then it goes on to Mabel saying, I feel like a real jerk after all this. I totally ignored Dipper's warnings. I took his journal without asking, and worst of all, I was so obsessed with my play, I didn't even no notice that Dipper was possessed. And I, of all people, should know. <laughs> I possessed Dipper's body once, too, so I hope I never see that swap carpet again. Dipper, whenever you read this, I want you to know that I'm sorry. And for the next week, I owe you ice cream sandwiches on me. Love, Mabel. What number is your journal, Hope? Oh, it's three. What? Oh, no, no, I mean, um, production number. Do you have, like, the special edition, or do you have the, the regular one? Oh, I have the regular one. No, I got oh, mine. I, have have I was asking because... <gasps> Does it really have black light? Yeah, this, I have the black light one. With special edition, <gasps> you get, like, a number. And I was... Uh, because I, the sad part is, I ordered this right away, but I somehow am still 749 out of 10,000. Oh, I don't my know God. how that's the case, but... <laughs> Does the black light really work? Yes, it does. Oh my god, I've never seen one in person. No, I just I found mine uh second hand at like second and Charles at like a thrift store. Put it up again because um this one was announced after and obviously I bought like the the cheap one way before this one came out and I remember when this one was announced I'm like it sucks that they didn't announce it sooner because now I'm buying both. <laughs> it's just like does, just does yours have 
Yours this has the gold $300. Oh. $300. Oh, $300. Does it come with the uh, little monocle, too? Oh, oh that's so cute. Glass. Sucks that this wow. is not a but, like, yeah, it's cool. That's and I like that it has the, the gold on the hand. Yeah, no, it's reflective and stuff, and um, it's oh. got a little, oh gosh, a little doodad, a little bookmark. <laughs> oh, that's so cute! Oh, I would that's love. No, I would love. Bu- that's not just a bookmark. That is the that is the tassel off yeah, tassel. Uncle Rex's hat, off a of, off a of Masonic fez. Yeah, one more thing. I will. I, it's just so cool to talk about. But like the blacklight stuff, it like feels like you can feel it, but you can't like see it unless you light it up. So like r- right now, I'm like rubbing the page. And you could like it feels sticky, kind of. Oh, it's just so cool. Yeah, I know exactly what 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 you mean. It's like, does it glow? In the, like, if you put it up to a light and then turn out the light, will it glow too, or does it only work under a black light? Only like it works under a black light. It's wow. Like, black light, so I had to wait for the black light. And then like, um, if there's stuff attached, this is attached so it can rip off. This is like a piece of paper like taped onto it. I don't yeah. know. Like, like image pictures in this are like literally like they feel like pictures. Like they yeah. have. A- texture it's that's so why cool. it's three hundred dollars this is yeah, like a, 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 so, a so worth the it just has every it just has every example of all the little book binding tricks and and yeah. stuff like that so, yeah like, my my, like... my roommate occasionally works for some people who do like super fancy book binding for my micro printing stuff where you know they use all the fit the fancy tech oh man i would love to <laughs> Take a look at that. I love just like incredibly produced books. Yeah, there were only ten thousand made, so I feel yeah. very special. <laughs> yeah. It was originally only like a hundred, and then Alex Hirsch had to like increase the number <laughs> because so well, many. Yeah. Were. So <laughs> I bought it in the first like hundred, but somehow I'm seven hundred forty nine. But like, you know what? Whatever. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I, I've I've always heard about them, but I've never seen one before. So just even being able to see it like through the video camera, <laughs> so I'm just like, it's so cool. <laughs> Next, we have our cipher corner and connections to previous episodes. There is one connection to the previous episode, and none of us has mentioned it. Agent Powers and Agent Trigger, the government agents from Skarioki, can be seen in the audience of the play, hiding their faces in playbills. And also, in a blink and you'll miss it moment, as Dipper, like, after Bill falls down the stairs and he's like, race you down the stairs, and he falls down, Dipper goes down through the floorboards. When he's between floorboards, there is a government agent listening device between the upper floor and the lower floor that Dipper phases through. Didn't catch that. Stuff like this. Like I like I like I was talking about earlier. The biggest reason I came to Twitter in the first place was like because of the theories and like the special little things like that. <laughs> so that's why I'm mm-hmm. here. <laughs> I always forget to like I like I know they're there, but I always forget to look for Agent Powers and Agent Trigger in the audience. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like I know they're there now, but every time I'm just like, oh yeah, I forgot. So, and finally, the uh, we have the ciphers of this episode. During the montage of Mabel making the puppets and Dipper trying various passwords, on one of the bulletin boards behind Dipper, there's a code. And once the cipher is decoded, it reads, Pure energy, not skin and bone, rising like a shepherd tone. And the shepherd tone is an unnerving artificial sound wave that sounds like it's continuously rising, but it doesn't actually change pitch. 
And then Alex Hirsch, when he did and asked me anything on Reddit as Bill Cipher, he said that Bill said that the Shepherd Tone is his favorite song. And the next cipher at the end of the episode is the one that's at the end of the credits. And when it's decoded, it reads, We've all had some fun tonight, but let's not forget who the real puppet masters are. Reptoids who haven't infiltrated our government. <laughs> true, true. And finally, there's the flashing page cipher um, that had this time had the little dipper puppet on it. And once that is the cipher, it reads, No puppet strings can hold me down. So patiently, I watch this town. Abnormal will soon be the norm. Enjoy the calm before the storm. All right, Chris. This is my favorite part of the episode. This is where you might need to like put no, Ali no, I'm behind. Going, I'm going. <laughs> no, uh, no. Or... I hope this isn't too disappointing because I don't have a lot for this. Oh, I think, that I is think, disappointing. I think Dipper is gonna have to use is gonna use some puppet power in the future. I think that'll come in handy. I think like even though Dipper was put out of his body, I'll bet you Bill picked up a lot about Dipper, even though he's been watching him. I'll bet you he picked up some, he has some psyche information on Dipper that's going to get used against him in the future. And I think Bill Cipher low-key saved the information on the laptop anyway, because they just sort of discarded that whole plot element the, the second Bill stepped on the computer. But... I don't know. I should have done a countdown to see what the, the timer did. I think in crushing the computer like that, Bill stopped it before the memory got erased in it. So, you know, Seuss could take out the hard drive and and all that and and possibly still get the information if they ever figure out the password. So I think I think Loki, the 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 laptop is still in play. OK, that's all I got, though. I'm sorry. Uh, obviously i missed a lot of stuff that you guys are in the know about well that's like do you have any um new new thoughts or theories about bill i mean because this is bill's second appearance you know uh like did it like make you think anything different than how you thought about him in dreamscapers are you still just kind of no he's still i mean there's there's only so much you know he's obviously manipulating things and this whole episode is puppet themed so you're you're never gonna really know until at least the first time through until he plays his cards, because he's 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 a Palpatine character. Every everything that he does, where I so far where he's getting vanquished, I think is a big show. I think he's toying with them. He could he you know he could he could have easily done in in Dipper and stuff, but he's just sort of stringing them along into into somewhere where he needs them to be so Mm. he's dipping his water uh, dipping his toes in the water of interacting with them uh, a little a little bit of it at a time and upping this and he'll be upping the stakes each time to figure out whatever it is he has to figure out or or to manipulate things in the way he needs to manipulate things but he's not just showing up randomly it's all it's all part of it whatever he's he's got going Especially if he's interdimensional and, and stuff. So he's privy to some timey-wimey stuff. That's as far as I'll go. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> you can turn your camera back on now, Allie. Yeah, go <laughs> ahead. Well, as always, I would love to take a moment to thank my lovely patrons. You guys are amazing. And I'm so happy you guys are here. And you guys get to 
you know, wow, you guys are awesome. I was about to say that. Hanging you out, <laughs> patroning around. Yeah. So patron. <laughs> I mean that in a nice way. That was that was a horrible joke. <laughs> anyway, thank you to Kate, Alex, Bree, Patrick, Lynn, Billy, Heather, Brian, and Jean. Your support for the show means the world to me. I love you all so much. Thank you so much for being here and supporting me, and I love you guys. All right, you guys. Allie, what are your final thoughts on the episode? I loved it. Thank you so much for having me on the talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> You're so welcome. Chris, did you have any final thoughts on the episode? I love this episode, too. It had the the horror elements that I love, the supernatural horror elements I love, and, and a puppet drama. <laughs> it was almost <laughs> like it was made for me. Uh, I love this episode, too. It's such a fun one. Um, the puppet show was just great, and everyone gets to play really good roles in this episode, and I really appreciate that. Well, all right, guys. Allie, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Allie underscore M underscore Andrews. As Hope mentioned earlier, my podcast is Knights of Ren, with spelled W-R-E-N for Sabine Ren. Um, not Kylo Ren. <laughs> um, and you can find that on iTunes, podcast.com, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. And you can follow the Twitter for that at Knights of Ren on Twitter as well. And other than that, I do art. I have a red bubble, I, which is Allie Wren. And I also commission people with art. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> we actually both own your mask. So your, your, your animation mask. So, um, I, cause I got an extra nice into to Chris. So, um, <laughs> Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at the Two True Freaks podcast, which is my podcast network. That uh, I also have a podcast there with Hope called J Guys and Jedi. That's our Star Wars animated and Filoniverse podcast and assorted other things. And uh, Two True Freaks can be found at our website, which is twotruefreaks.com, obviously. You can sign up for all of our spectrum of web of podcasts there we are also on facebook and you can go to the two true freaks podcast to see what we're posting in the two true freaks cantina to hang out and talk and we are also on twitter if you look up two true freaks you'll find our twitter feed run by now i was i'm just getting ready to mix a horror story podcast of uh, public domain comics theater where gene gene the podcasting machine plays an evil demon butler with his little tiny demon pets that terrorize a murderous blackmailing couple that are hiding in the house of his old master gene i don't know how to I, that didn't go the way I thought it was. I was like, oh, cool horror. And then I was like, oh, it just keeps, oh, uh, Gene. <laughs> Gene's getting all the, the, the juicy monster roles. So I'm very happy for him. He's doing a great, he's doing a great job. And I guess that's it for me. Where can they find you, Hope? Um, of course, this is the animation podcast for geekygirlexperience.com. You can read you all my, re- yeah, you can read all my reviews over there. Um, if you want to be one of my patrons and get your name shouted out on the show and support the show, you can find that at patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. You can find me on Twitter at HopeMalnax. And like Chris said, we have another Star Wars podcast called J Guys and Jedi, and you can find that at jguysandjedi uh, on Twitter as well. And I do have an Etsy store, and I just opened a Redbubble shop too. 
Um, but I don't have the link in front of me. So check out Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash geeky girl experience. And you can find Waddle merchandise over there. I don't want to sound like a shill, but I will shill. But I am curious. I am honestly curious. What is red bubble? What is a red bubble? Uh, Maybe I want a red bubble too. I want a red bubble. You can sell art and they can be on like shirts and mugs and socks uh, and all oh, kinds okay. of things. Oh, okay, so yeah. it's like a cafe press type of Yeah, sort of unlike, thing. unlike Etsy where you have to produce the things yourself, it, they just, you make the art yeah, and they, you put it on there. Yeah, you, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I get yeah, it yeah. now. Well, Chris, would you like to know the title of next week's episode? I would. That would be <laughs> very helpful since <laughs> I watch it. It's one of my favorites. The title of next week's episode is Seuss and the Real Girl. Aww. Oh. Oh. It has, well, like it has two, it has like, I mean, it almost has a real, real doll. <laughs> sort of thing. But Real Girl also has like Pinocchio sort of vibe to it, you know? I'm a real mm-hmm. girl now, so maybe one of the puppets becomes a girl or hey suit oh maybe it's like the movie mannequin where who Seuss falls in love with a mannequin and she's like alive or something well you'll have to just see next week i'll find out next week yeah well ali thank you so much for being on the show with us yay thanks for having me again <laughs> of course you're welcome back anytime and oh yeah we we adore you honey you're <laughs> we love you so much <laughs> All right, you guys, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.